Good morning, everybody. So good to see you here. God is so good. God is so good, and he's filling us with his goodness. And I just want to prophesy and speak over us today that I was reading Psalm 85 this morning, and it's just there's this amazing time, a season that we're coming into of truth springing up from the ground and of righteousness and peace kissing each other. And it is a time when God is restoring and he's making things new and he's making things alive. And so I just bless that this is a place where life is springing up, where life is coming up, where uh, God is restoring. God is restoring. God is restoring. God is restoring. And we speak this, believe it in your own heart, restoration, it's restoration time. And we'll just declare the goodness, the greatness, the power, the beauty of God, and enjoy his presence today. We want to worship in spirit and in truth, in spirit and in truth. You know, it's, it's a lot easier as a Christian to identify with theology or morality or worldview but when Jesus came to his people, to the Jews, the ones who were fixated on the morality, on the, uh, on the worldview, on the perspective of God-fearing people, those are the ones that didn't like Jesus more than anybody else because they could not get this one key ingredient which Jesus represented, spirit, spirit, spirit. It's not about having the right answers. It's about coming from the right place. As many as are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. And so we make it our aim, whether it's this morning or throughout our life, to be led by His Spirit. And the training that God is doing, even this morning, as we seek to worship Him in spirit and truth, is to perfect the release of Spirit as we worship. So, Father, we humble ourselves before you today and we say, Holy Spirit, teach us how to worship, how to worship in spirit and in truth. Lord, you said it's the spirit that gives life. Father, we want to give life to our community. We want to give life to the world around us. But we cannot do that unless we start operating in the spirit. So, Father, align us with your spirit. And teach us, we say this morning, enact, engage, release in us that heavenly substance that you call spirit and life as we worship in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, just before we sing this song, some testimony has been coming out about something that happened last weekend. And if you were here, you remember that Mark DuPont called us at one point to relinquish all of our grievances against people, to, to uh, forgive, to release. And uh, some of you have registered a degree of breakthrough through that. And I want to say, you know, this is fundamental to Christianity. And if you, if you read about it, we don't have to teach on it today, but you actually are building up a weight on yourself the more you hold on to un unforgiveness. And, you know, we just had a grad sale. And if you ever had a, a spring cleaning, you know how light you feel after you've gotten rid of all the junk that's in the garage and you've cleaned out the attic and you've straightened up your wardrobes? Well, God is in the business of straightening up our wardrobes and our garages. And he wants us to live with the freedom uh, 
that comes with with having forgiven others. And so I, as we press in today, and if you haven't actually cleared out the cobwebs of your attic, if you are still storing up things, waiting for your day of vengeance, I, 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 I challenge you today as, as we're worshiping, because your ability to draw near to God is connected to whether or not you have released others. So I just encourage you, release, release, release. Father, we don't want uh, justice. We want mercy. God, if we were to have justice, Lord, the balances would be tipped very much against us. So, Lord, we say mercy, 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 mercy. Just continue to let that sound ring out. I feel like what the Lord is trying to do in us is it's like a, a computer. And I've given this illustration before. You can add programs to it, and you can take away programs, and you can change the, the appearance. You can put a different picture on your screen. But it takes a programmer to go into the in, inner guts of that thing, and it takes the designer. It takes somebody who has access to the root uh, code of that thing to fundamentally change what it is. And one of the things that men try to do is we try to change ourselves for the better. We live in this world where people, you know, we're comparing ourselves and we're failing and we're trying to be something we can't be. And that always causes a superficial change. But God is saying, listen, if you let me, I can come and I can reach my hand into the root code of who you are. And I can, I, can, I can change those things that you can't change. I can change those things that you can only cover up. And so, Lord, we just say today, let your light shine in us. God, we don't want to be a better version of what we think we can be. We want the creator, God Almighty, who wrote our DNA to come inside and change the essential coding of our being change our nature. We don't want to just have behavioral change. We want a nature change. We want a heart change. We want to love different things. We don't want to be working against what we love and trying to impede ourselves from doing what we know we love. We want to love different things. So God, come, come, come. Creator, Father Almighty, and rewrite our character DNA. Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. Speak into the core of our being. Oh, yeah. I'm supposed to face this way from now on. These are the responsive people. Okay, actually, I don't need this, so I'm going to use the hands-free. Am, am I on? Yeah, great. Hallelujah. That was, that was so good. What are these? Woohoo! What don't they have in the United States? Marty. Yeah. It's a Canadian product. M&Ms are the pilfered, copied version of them. Though I have to say, I do like chocolate M&Ms. Chocolate peanut, I mean. Peanut, peanut M&Ms. Anyway, Father, I want to thank you for what you're doing in our lives, and uh, Lord, that we can learn from Smarties today. Lord, I pray that you would uh, give us that sense of purpose 
for what you're doing in, uh, in the kingdom of God. God, we pray for your presence and your anointing, that your word would speak. We say, Jesus, you are the word of God. And so release your word to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, let me just reference these because I know if I don't give you some context for the Smarties, uh, you won't be able to listen to anything else I say. Yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll save that for, for a bit. But I, I want to do something here. I regret already what I did. All right, so when I was growing up, they had this, uh, this uh, commercial thing. Have you, do you remember the song? When you eat your Smarties, do you... Oh, okay, this is good. Here, come on, wait, wait, wait. This is very good. Come here, come here, Curtis. Come on. Yeah, come on. Yeah. All right, sing the song for us. All right, everybody now. When you eat your Smarties, do you eat the red ones last? Do you suck them very slowly? Do you crunch them very fast? They're the candies coated chocolate. Now tell me when I ask. When you eat your Smarties, do you eat the red ones last? There you go. Woo. The Lord spoke to me <laughs> this last week. I was thinking about some things a little bit grander than Smarties. I was thinking about destiny. I was thinking about time. I was thinking about purpose. And um, I was reflecting on uh, a, a kingdom principle around cer certain promises, which I'm going to get into here. And what the Lord spoke to me was a, he showed me Smarties. And he asked this question, so I'm going to put it out there. Do you eat the red ones last? And so I'm trying to figure out the best way to do this. But here's what I was thinking. I was thinking about certain prophetic promises about the end times. And for example, Psalm 24, 6 says this. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. There is this prophetic line through the Bible that talks about what God is going to do in the end times how God is going to have volunteers in the day of his power. So there's a sense in which we are uh, working through our lives, but there's a sense in which there's a generation coming that is going to do what God has wanted be, to be done, okay? A generation coming that's going to exceed what any other generation has done or complete. It's not that the other generations were superfluous or not important, but they're going to accomplish and step into something unlike every other generation. They're going to fulfill his desire. When I say, well, you know, when, and I keep thinking, okay, we're a part of that. I want to be a part of that generation. But, you know, and I started thinking about that the other day, and I was thinking, man, what a coincidence that all these great people are going to show up at that time. Like, what are the, what are the chances that, you know, the collection of, of people who are willing to do the right thing or are made of the right stuff will appear in that generation versus all the other generations. And then the Lord spoke to me and said, I saved the red ones last. I saved the red ones last. And I began to see this unfolding picture of time and purpose and how God chose you to be born in this time versus any other time. 
I want you to let that sink in. That you are not here by accident. You are not here by, the, by virtue of simple genetics or physical construct of things. That before time was, God imagined you, saw you, knew who you were, and decided at what time and what place he was going to place you in the line of creation. I mean, think about that. You are here appointed. Appointed for this time. Now you might be thinking, well, is that in the Bible somewhere? I'm going to look at that in a minute. But I really want you to get this promise that, that, that God, you are not a loser. You are not the, the, the uh, what do you call that when the cat is the, is the last one? The runt. You are not the runt of the litter. Okay. Now, uh, you know, there are going to be some bad people in this generation. Okay, and that potential exists, but which are you? You decide, but here's the point, is that God looked all throughout the whole history of mankind and decided to have you born now. I remember thinking, uh, at t- sometimes I, you know, when I looked at old stories of old lives, I thought, oh, I'm so glad I live today, you know, especially when I get cold. And I think, man, we have, we have <laughs> central heating, <laughs> Uh, Ireland doesn't, though, but anyway. But I want you to see this, that in time, when you, should, when you could have been born at another time, God purposely set you aside. All right? And so he's, gonna, he's, he's saving the red ones last. I want that picture to be fully ingrained in you, that you are part of a generation, a linear line, of people, and God is saving the red ones last. Now, how do, how do you get that from Scripture? Well, here's the thing I was thinking is, is what are the chances of us all being born, of, of God fulfilling that thing? Because if you're going to, it's like having a great hockey team, right? You know, you actually assemble that hockey team. And the Lord said, I'm assembling my team. And I'm choosing from time because everything I did, I did before time. I mean, we know that, right? To be true. Jesus Christ was crucified before the foundations of the earth. I mean, think about it. God determined through his purpose things before time. Well, if he determined... (laughs) Kim, I've been praying for you. I'm picking up your burden. Kim's had no voice for three weeks. If, If he determined... When Jesus would be born, can he determine when you are born? Right? So let's, let me just read a couple of scriptures about this because we need to understand that God has discretion over everything. And that when God chose Jesus to be born at a certain time, he can exercise that same discretion over Matthew Erickson, over Ben Lotz, over Murray McKinnon over Amanda Keptain. Galatians 4.4 says this, But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. That's Galatians 4.4. So that means that God specifically chose the season and the time, and He determined it was the right time based on factors that 
only he knew and he understood. But, he, but the point is, he specifically chose. He set Jesus to be born at this time. And he did all of that before the foundation of the world. And so it made me wonder, well, what else has he done before the foundation of the world? Now, this is not Bible, but I was talking to Jim Donater last week, and he remembered a prophetic dream. And I, you know, maybe somebody here will remember it better. But a prophetic dream, no, actually it was uh, Bob Jones, he died. Do you remember the story when Bob Jones died? Bob Jones had a heart attack, was it, or something? Anyway, he was in the hospital, he died, and he was dead for a significant amount of time, and he came back to life. But when he, when he was, uh, was it here that he came and he answered all the questions to the kids? Do you remember that? Were you there? I was there. What did he do? Explain that to us. Because I, I, I'm getting the story wrong, but he said something was very significant. I don't know that I can remember the specific thing you're talking about, but basically when he came here, he actually did come up on a Sunday um, for a kid's church and allowed us to um, all sit around and basically just hosted an open forum and asked, what do you want to know about heaven? And so all of us as kids were able to sort of ask him about the experience that he had while he was there and any questions that we might have. Do you remember any questions? One of the things that I specifically remember him talking about was... When uh, we asked, like, when you get to heaven, do you, do you know everything? Like, do you, or do you become like God? Do you know everything? And he said, no, I actually still got to learn there. In fact, one of the things, he said that he spent quite a bit of his time there, well, if time is relevant, watching a flower grow. And he could see that as this flower was growing, he could see every bit of the intricacies of this flower coming up and, and even like the processes that are going on inside of it. And it was almost like being able to see the biological, what was happening as this flower was going. I remember that. Yeah. Well, that was what your dad told me. And he said, he said, I love to look at the flower. He said, because I saw how it works. Uh, he saw how the flower works, which is amazing. But the other thing that the kids were asking him about were kids that were born. And is God making new kids? And, and this, is, this is a, again, it, it, it locks into this idea that everything that God did, He did before time. And so that He, that he and He said something to this effect, that God saw you before time and knew who you would be before time. So that everybody that is, God has already imagined. God has already actually created because, because time is a construct of the eternal that sits apart from and separate from the eternal. When you go into the eternal, time is a linear thing. It's like when you're up in, up in heaven and you're looking at, at, at a car going and you see where that car is going to be, you, you actually you are outside of that two-dimensional world that the, that, that's down below and you see things very differently. That's the only illustration for that that we can think of. But here's the point, is that God has done the same thing with you. He imagined and saw who you are and decided that, okay, this one I'm reserving for the last generation. You're not here by accident. You're not here to serve the enemy's purpose. You are here by design. And let me just say this is that if you've struggled at all in your life, and if you've had a hard time with lawlessness or sin or things like that, I want you to know that the warfare over your life is not because you're worse, but maybe because you're better. 
Not in the sense of, oh, I'm better than you, but capacity, that God has destiny on people. God has established certain things inside of us in gifting, and he, we, we carry a certain heart, and the enemy sees those ones that could be the greatest potential against him, and so he attacks them more. And I've preached on that. There's a proverb that says, the adulteress hunts the precious life. And it's sort of a picture of what Satan does. He looks over mankind and says, who's going to be the greatest threat? It's kind of like Connor McDavid when we're playing Anaheim. Right? So, so here, let me read another passage. 2 Timothy 1, verses 8 to 10. It says, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his purpose and grace, which he was given to us in Christ before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ was abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Again, reiterating everything that God has done in releasing grace, in releasing the unfolding of his purpose, he did before time began. Does that make you feel special? No, it, sh it should. Um, there's another passage. Uh, I'm going to turn to Acts 2.23. It's good to actually read it because you want to go back and meditate on these things afterwards. Because when the enemy comes, starts whispering in your ear and saying that you're an accident, that you're a mistake, that you're an error, you need to have something that comes back and says no. And the word of God at work in you is what can say no to that voice. So verse 22 says, men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did through him in your midst as you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and crucified and put to death. And here's what the Lord wants to say to you today. In the same way that Jesus was manifested in that corridor of time that we know 2,000 years ago, in these words, by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, so were you. You have been set in place today by the determined purpose, the determined purpose, the determined purpose, the determined purpose. You're not here just to do what you think you're doing right now. There's a determination that's greater than the sum total of, of even what you're doing for your work or other things. There is a destiny that God imagined that he, he birthed you for. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, we pray that, that those seeds of vision that you had in us. Lord, we want to realize them. We want to live up to them. God, we want, to, we want our hearts to begin to rise up to meet you and to say, God, what is my determined purpose? What it was it that you saw in me? What is it that you imagined? What is it, what is it that you reserved me for, Lord? I, I declare today I am 
a red smarty that you've chosen last. So, Father, what are you doing? Now, the principle that uh, about God doing this is sort of foreshadowed in a number of places, but I want to point out one in particular again because I feel, and this may seem like a very straightforward and simple message, but I pray that it really speaks to uh, that sense of purpose in you. But you remember in uh, the beginning, before Jesus' ministry began, actually the first miracle he did was what? Water and the wine. The first one we know about. I mean, he could have raised chickens from the dead as a child. We don't know. I, it raises an important question for me. I mean, did Jesus, did Jesus have to practice? I don't know. I do. I'll leave that one for another day. But we know the whole story, right? And I won't read every scripture, but uh, Jesus uh, is at this feast. They run out of wine. Jesus' mother comes to him, which really, here's a question I'd like to know. How did she know that he could turn the water into wine? Right? Did he do this before? Well, man, we have no butter. <laughs> Jesus said, do you have any sand? <laughs> right? I mean, you know, I mean, Satan, Satan at the temptation said to Jesus, turn these rocks into bread. Where did he get that idea from? Right? Maybe there was something going on before. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, he made the rocks, right? But the one, his mother says, we have no wine. And Jesus, you know, being close to Mother's Day, he said to her, woman... What does your concern have to do with me? <laughs> Woman! That's a whole different slant on honor thy mother. <laughs> anyway, that's fun. So he, he seemed undisposed to wanting to do this thing, but anyway, he does it. Maybe that's where the honor your mother thing goes. All right, I'll do a miracle. So he turns the water into wine, and then he tells them in verse 8, he says, draw some now and take it to the master of the feast. And so they took it and take it to the master of the feast. Of the feast. And um, as, he's, uh, as he gets it and tries it, he says this. He says, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus doesn't say anything to that. But it establishes something of a continuum to a pattern that was foreshadowed prophetically in the Psalms so many places where God says, listen, there's coming a day when we're going to manifest a people like a people that have never been on the face of the earth. And again, I, I used to think, wow, how... What a great coincidence that those people are going to happen to be born at that time. They haven't happened to be born. God, by His predetermined counsel and foreknowledge, looked and says, what I need here is a Jonathan Jesperson. What I need here is a, is a Ben. Do I have a Ben? Is there a Ben I can throw into the mix? He's going to have to fight a little bit, but eventually you'll get him through some of that. Is there a Nicky? Is there a Nicky? We call her Martineau. 
find somebody to marry her. And <laughs> I mean, this is the thing, like, to me, this is a, a revolutionary concept, if we can think about it in the sense that God has chosen you and selected you and pulled you out of line and put you in a very specific order, in a very specific place. And the minds of men cannot understand this. But the opportunity now is before us to rise up to that destiny. And there's not a guarantee in the sense that God didn't decide that you're going to make all the right choices, but he knew that you could make all the right choices, and he knows beforehand the right choices that you're going to make. God has already seen, yeah, the bad choices, but he chose you to be born today because of the good choices that you're going to make. And so I just pray, as I'm going to bring this to a close today, that the significance of that election in God would come down on you with weight today and that it would begin to press you into your destiny because you are known, you are embraced, you are chosen. Hallelujah. There is more in you than you know. There is more capacity, more gifting, more faith, more ability to stand in those critical moments that are coming than you even know. And God has selected you for that reason. Now, in a few minutes, maybe a few minutes, I'm going to actually let you try some of these. We're going to eat all of them except the red ones. So that will be the altar call. The altar call later <laughs> will be, we must come and consume all of these Smarties. Kids, you can only have three. Three Smarties. And leave some for the adults. The Father, I pray today, God, that though there seems darkness all around, there's never been a brighter day. Though there seems to be problems, those, there are things that are hard. Though it seems like the enemy sometimes get the, gets the better hand in our lives. God, we are not going to be victims. We're not going to roll over and just accept the fate that demonic spirits and Satan is giving to us. We are going to decide to believe today that we were born at this specific t time with purpose, that you determined beforehand the part that we would play, and we are aligning ourselves to your heart and to your will to play that part. Can you say amen? amen. We will overcome. We will overcome. Now, Kim Wheeler, he uh, was writing during the worship, and what he wrote here is he, t he began to write about purpose, predestined purpose, our call, God's plan for us, and the direction. And he, he actually uh, wrote some scriptures here down that are the same scriptures as what I use, First Timothy or Second Timothy. But he says, we have a predestined, predestined purpose in God. Why, how, how, could he, how could he be thinking of that before? Because when God is wanting to speak something to us, he actually is breathing into the atmosphere of the air. The word is here before we actually speak the word. And we, have, we who have ears to hear begin to pick it up. So it's not an accident even that we spoke about this today. Because God is saying, I chose you. I chose you. And we will overcome. We have overcome. So, Father, today we want to say that we trust you 
that you chose us in Christ before the world began to be conformed to the image of Jesus. You chose us in Christ before the world began not to be the slaves of sin, but to serve righteousness. You chose us in Christ before the world began to be your witnesses here on earth and to be part of the final generation of Jacob that would seek your face. And so we declare even now to our own spirits, and I want you to speak this whisper to yourself, soul, rise up, rise up and seek the Lord. Speak that to yourself right now. Soul, speak it out loud. Command your soul. Soul, rise up. Seek the Lord. Desire righteousness. Seek the Lord. So we have overcome in Jesus' name. And we want to seal that with a Smarty. So come on and grab a couple of Smarties.